Welcome to the Cascade Church Portland podcast. We're a church that works to be both safe to be and safe to grow through our commitment to intentionality, diversity, curiosity, prayer, and advocacy. Enjoy! Come and preach and share with us for the first time, and that's what we have this morning. Uh, so we have the wonderful uh, Michelle Lang, who's the campus pastor at Warner Pacific. She's going to be sharing with us this morning. And I got to meet Michelle um, through different people. John Sampson, who's a member of our board, works at Warner and was like, Michelle's great. Shelly Woodburn's like, I heard Michelle preach. You have to get her here. Uh, and then I got a panicked call from Michelle at 530 at night saying, our chapel speaker at Warner tomorrow isn't flying across the country. We need someone. And I'm like, thanks. I, I guess I am someone. So as I got to, to come and preach, my favorite part of the introduction is Michelle asked me before, what's your favorite, what's your ratchet TV of choice? And I was like, huh, I hadn't thought about that. And uh, if you don't know what ratchet TV is, it's like kind of sketchy TV that you're a little embarrassed that you watch, but you fully love watching. Um, and for me, it's, I've never turned it on, but I will never look away to any of the Housewives shows. Uh, really, any region of the country, I will watch that. Uh, Michelle, it's love and hip hop. So, would you please welcome Michelle Lang. Thanks, Gert. Uh, good morning. I'm glad you said what your ratchet TV of choice was, because I was definitely going to out you. Uh, I was like, do they know you watch The Housewives? Uh, and I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm embarrassed that people know I watch Love and Hip Hop. I think I would probably be more embarrassed if you knew how much I watched <laughs> Love and Hip Hop. But I'm a weird, I'm a weird entity because, like, I will watch, like, some incredibly riveting documentary about something really smart, and then I'm like, ooh, Love and Hip Hop, though, and then I'll turn. So I'm like, I don't know what kind of person that makes me. Um, I think evolved is the right word. Good morning, y'all. It is an honor to be here. Um, I, am, I am thankful to be here on your last Sunday of the year and maybe the, you know, the sort of the, the decline and the ramp up um, Sunday of the year. I'm really thankful to be here. I want to acknowledge Pastor Kurt for inviting me. I just want to say that um, I am just thankful for uh, how Kurt shows up in the world. As a African-American woman in ministry, just even from the very first time that we met and sat and talked, I felt honored and valued by you. And the sad thing about that is how uncommon that is. And so I just want to say thank you. Um, thank you for that gift of, of just who you are um, to me individually, and this who you are to the church. Um, so I'm glad to be here um, by your invitation. I know um, John Sampson, who I work with, who I, actually is my boss at, uh, at Warner Pacific University, and I'm glad to see you, John, because um, I would have felt some kind of way if you weren't here on the day that I was here. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I appreciate John uh, as well. I see other friends. Ethan is here and Scott. And what's your name again? Shelly. And I met uh, a Facebook stalker friend. Now we can be real friends, friends in real life. You're not a stalker. 
If you admit it, then you're not a stalker. So it's good to be friends in real life. Um, and so it's just an honor to be here. And I, like I said, uh, John and I work together at Warner, and I'm honored to be a, a colleague of his. He's one of the uh, most insightful uh, people, insightful and smart people I know. He and I share stories about life all the time. He's showing me what life is like to raise uh, three little white boys. And I, um, I share with him, you know, black hair care treatment because that's really necessary for him. And I, uh, <laughs> and I just want him to share my tips with Kurt. So um, I just think we all have gifts that we should share. Don't you think so? Yeah. I wrestled today with what to come talk about because I try, I try not to preach um, based on the calendar. I try not to preach based on the calendar like it's Mother's Day or Father's Day or, you know, whatever. I try not to preach about on, on the calendar because I don't want to subject the scripture, right, to the calendar because, you know, scripture and our God lives outside of time and space and all that. And so to sort of subject the scripture and, 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 and God's stuff to the calendar, especially the American calendar, seems kind of insulting. And so I don't want to do that, but we are wedged in this weird space between Christmas um, and, and New Year. And so part of me is still feeling real Christmassy, and so part of me wants to put a bow on Christmas stuff, but then the other part of me is like, no, let's get going, let's move on to the new year. And so I, I recognize that, that we are sort of in that, in that, or at least I anyway, am in that weird wedge of a space. And as I was praying um, about what to come speak to today, um, I believe the Holy Spirit calmed me down and said, I just want you to preach to who we are. Preach to who we are. Preach beyond the calendar. Preach beyond the day and the time. And preach to, to who it is that God has created us to be and who it is that we are called to be. And what is so beautiful, I think, about how the Lord confirms things is the songs that we've been singing this morning and the stuff that Kurt has even already said and shared as we, as we were taking communion, um, I think already is sort of ramping us into that idea to who God has called us to be and who God has called us to be in him. And I think because of where we are um, today, it is um, sort of a, a ramp up to the new year, sort of maybe even an introduction into whatever you might consider to be this moment where you examine your life and consider a resolution or whatever it is that you want to call it. Um, I believe the, the word that God has given me to share with you all today is in line with that. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I'm a black Pentecostal, so I need all of that <laughs> the whole time. Amen? All right, and it doesn't just have to be amen. It could be that, you know, that's right, say that girl, uh-huh, sweetest sister, any of that. Any of that stuff works. Uh-huh, that's right, uh-huh, I know that's right, any of that. I think, um, I think there is a spiritual DNA when we talk about us. I think there's a spiritual um, DNA that is in each and every one of us that has been the same. Since the beginning of, of time as we know, as we know it. And what I want to do today is I want to show it in scripture and, and, and break it down or, or open it up, whatever you want to call it, as much as time will allow. And then I want to challenge us, um, Cascade, to do one thing with it. I want to challenge us to do one thing. And that one simple thing that I want to challenge us to do is what church mothers of old have been challenging us, or at least me, to do. Um, for, for many, many years, and that is to just govern ourselves accordingly. 
Govern yourself. Govern ourselves accordingly. I've been saying this a lot, but it bears repeating. We live in a day and time where it's kind of considered just downright rude for people to stand up here, say some stuff, and then tell you what to do. It's like rude. Like, don't, you don't get to, Karen, you don't get to do that. Hey, what's up? We did, we were in a choir together. What's up? Uh, and when I get sick, she tells me what to do. That's all. Um, yeah, we live in a time and a space and a day where it's rude, like it's considered rude for anybody to stand up here or anywhere, really, on your TV or anywhere, to stand up, say something, and then say, now do this. You need to adjust your life and do, and it's considered rude to do that. So just consider me rude today. <laughs> All right? Let's just get that out the way. Just consider me rude and insulting and offensive. Like, get that out the gate. Just say she came and she was rude. Just say it. But just know this. Just know this, if you consider me rude today, you are considering ages of my ancestors to be rude. Because at least once a week for the entirety of my life, some church mother, some African-American church mother stood up in front of the congregation and said something and then ended it with the phrase, now govern yourself accordingly. And what that meant was, whatever I just said, adjust your life, fix your life, Fix your agenda, fix your calendar, fix your money, fix your way, fix your activities, fix yourself to govern yourself according to what I just said, right? And so sometimes, like, especially in the, in the black church, you know, that they'd get up and they'd do the announcements, something as simple as the church announcements. They'd get up and say, pastor's going to preach over here, and then we're having a family potluck over there, and then the choir's going to sing over there. That is the schedule of the week. Now govern yourself accordingly. And again, that meant whatever you were going to do, change it. <laughs> because this is what we are going to do. Amen? So my challenge today is going to be simple. It's going to be just to govern yourself, govern ourselves accordingly. I know, again, that is socially unacceptable today. We're supposed to get up and say some stuff and then invite you to consider. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> God, thank you so much for this time, this space, and I don't ever mean the time on the clock or the space on the address, God, but this, this, this space and this time that rests somewhere in eternity. Um, we pray that we are good stewards of it, God, um, and that you would quicken the words of my mouth and, and the meditation of my heart, even, God, to, to, to do and to say um, things that are acceptable in your sight. Let us all hear what the Spirit is saying uh, in a way that propels us beyond what we can do uh, of our own accord. Uh, bless this time. In Jesus' name I pray. I said at the top, um, amen. There's something written, I believe, in the Word of God that, like I said at the top, um, sets our spiritual DNA in stone. And I think it's for the good of all, all of us, all humankind. Um, and by default, that makes it good for the, the church. Um, and I don't think we can escape it. And I'm gonna, I want us to look at it in just a second. And as we sit on the, on the verge of a new year, I want to challenge us to take a look at the narrative of our own creation um, as an indication of how we live our life. So we're going to go to Genesis uh, chapter 1. Um,
where it all began. So, you know, Hollywood music right there. Um, let's go to Genesis chapter 1 and down in the, the latter part, verse 26, it starts. I'm sure you've read this before. It says, then God said, let us make mankind, humankind, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind, humankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be your creatures that move along the ground to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now let's jump down to Genesis chapter 2, uh, starting in the first verse. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were created in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished all the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and earth that, uh, when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. I know that's a lot. Let's slow it down. I, I used to be a youth pastor, youth and young adult pastor, and, and I used to tell my kids all the time, we read the Bible so fast sometimes that we don't really see what's going on or we don't, we don't get to see What's going on? So let's just, let's, let's, that was a whole lot, so I'm going to slow it down a little bit. I think for six, or we can see for six really strategic, or what seemed like really strategic days, God ordered things. He put things in order. And then on the seventh day, the, the scripture says he rested. And I think there's something that happened between day six and day seven um, that is compelling. At least it was compelling enough to change. It changed my life. Many, many years ago when I first saw this, it really, it really took hold of something in my life. Um, and not just for one day, but for, for many days and years now to come. And I think, I hope it will change and revolutionize um, how, how you approach your life, especially as we're looking at uh, examining life for the next year. And not just your life, but even the day-to-day -day increments of life. If we notice this, the day that God created man and the day that man, humankind, became a living being are two separate days. We just read it. We just saw it. Sometimes we read it so fast we don't pay attention. But the day that God created man and the day that man, humankind, actually became a living being are two 
different days. Genesis 1.26 says we see that God created man on the sixth day, but it wasn't until the seventh day in Genesis 2 that God breathed life into man and, be, and man became a living being. And I think it's what happened between day six and day seven that has sort of locked in our spiritual DNA. Locked in our spiritual, let's look at what it says. Let's look at, he sort of created a list. And for those of you who like lists, uh, he sort of created a list from, from, from this text. He says this, seven, I think about seven, you can break it down into different ways, but about seven different things. He says this, he says, be fruitful, as in productive. He says, increase, multiply yourself, grow your crops, fill the earth, occupy it and spread out, subdue the earth, manage it, organize it. He says, rule, so have some governance and some control and some maximization. He says, take care of yourself from the earth. And then he says, take care of the earth's balance. So while man was created, but not yet alive, that was a, a black moment right there in case you missed it. <laughs> while man was created, but not yet alive, just being here, God, I feel like, in my head, this is how it goes. God sort of sneaked up. I don't know why he had to sneak up. But God kind of sneaks up on that thing he created, gets real close. And he sort of whispers, downloads about seven core competencies into this thing that he's created. While it's not yet alive, he whispers, he speaks into that being seven core things. Be fruitful, multiply, increase, subdue, maximize, rule, govern, take care of yourself, take care of the earth. While we are created but not yet alive. The Spirit of God is saying, mm, 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 mm. And then, he breathes life into us. And with that download intact, we come alive. Have you ever... I, I, we come alive... And then he says, before it's all done, he says, and it is so. He finishes that moment. Well, the, the, the writing finishes that moment by saying, and it is so. Like, that's it. Like, this is not really a negotiation. Like, this is not really some terms of agreement that you have to Sign, you know how like you get invited to sign a contract and then they say, you know, here, if you agree to all this, sign at the bottom. No, there's no contract here. There's no negotiation here. You get to the bottom of this moment and, and the Spirit of God, the Lord says, and it is so. I don't need your buy-in for this. I don't need your agreement on this. I don't, this is not anything we're going to kind of debate here. This is just in. And if you ever watch, a, if you ever watch that 70s show, the character Fez, uh, like when he's done talking, he would say, I said good day. <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's almost like God is saying, ah, there's nothing to talk about here. There's nothing to talk about. There's no negotiation. There's nothing really to, dis to debate here. And it is so. Into the fabric, the DNA of every person ever created, saved, 
unsaved, black, white, Asian, native, every, everybody else, male, female, straight, gay, into, smart, not smart, whatever that is, into every single one. God breathed in these sort of seven core, this core design. And at the end of that, he says, and it is so. This is part of who you are, period. I look at this sometimes and I thought, there are times when I get frustrated, whatever you want to call it, I get, I, there's sort of this, ugh, there's this frustration or this anxiety or whatever you want to call it, I get, I get torn, I get, I get run because I don't feel like I'm being productive or I feel like I'm living too small or I feel like I'm not being successful, whatever that, whatever that means, or I don't feel like I'm contributing or I'm doing my part or when I feel like things are out of control or, or unmanaged or when I feel unhealthy, there are times when that is going on in my life and I want to just make my peace with it, but I can't because I feel like there's something in me that says no, that is counter to who you are. The reason why you can't just be okay with that it's because it's counter to your spiritual DNA. It's counter to who you are. It's counter to your core design. All of us are designed to function and engage life with this, with the, with this DNA, with these competencies, so to speak. All of us, like I said, not just the people who are in Christ or saved, not just the talented, not just the smart, but all of us. And it's against the nature of God in us to live or to be otherwise. Um, we're pre-designed, I think, to produce and to maintain the order of God. And not just to produce and maintain, but to be at peace even with those, with those things actualized in our life. And again, he told us it is so. And the challenge for us is to govern ourselves accordingly. Like we could go, oh, but God, mm. oh, but what if, mm. oh, but I have, mm. how about we just say, I just need to learn to govern myself accordingly. When I first got my uh, iPhone, I feel like that's so long ago now. <laughs> When I first got my iPhone, like, you know, you open it, and it's all beautiful and shiny when you take it out the box, right? When I first got the iPhone, um, and, you know, and apps were a new thing. App, you know, apps are like nothing new now, right? But when we first got our smartphones, I got my iPhone, and, and it comes with these already preloaded uh, apps on it, right? Then you start buying stupid stuff like, you know, Etch-a-Sketch or whatever. But, um, uh, but it comes with these some preloaded uh, apps, right? There's an app for the weather. Some phones, I think, have a voice recorder. Um, there's an app for stocks and trading or whatever. And then there's, there's other stuff. But there's like some apps that like kind of come already on your phone. And, 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 and there was one day that I was, uh, I was using my phone for what it's intended, which is taking pictures. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, my, and I, I pushed out, I had, I was using too much memory, right? And so I couldn't take any more pictures, so you know what you got to do. You got to, you know, you got to delete stuff. And I was like, oh, there's a bunch of apps that I don't need. 
Like, I don't have any. At the time, I was like, I don't have any stocks. I'm not doing any trading. Who needs that? Get rid of that. What's the weather like? Look outside. I'll figure it out. <laughs> so I was like, easy. I need more memory. Get rid of the stocks app. Get rid of the weather app. Get rid of the other, get rid of the other stuff because I need more space to do important things like take pictures of me. <laughs> That's a resolution. Okay. Uh, so I tried to go and delete some of the apps that were embedded in the phone. And as you and I have found out now, you can't, they, won't, they don't let you delete them. Somebody in the Apple universe, somebody in the designing pool of Apple, whoever they are, for whatever reason, has decided, no, these apps are necessary for your life. And no matter what else you have to move and adjust in your life, these apps stay, right? Whether you use them or not, these apps stay. Whether they frustrate you or not, they stay. And I think that's kind of how it is with us. Whether we use, whether we live into our spiritual DNA or not, it is there. And it is there to stay. Delete as you might like to for other purposes. The DNA, the way that we are designed of God, is locked. It's there. I think one of the ways that, that, that I've come to, come to think of this is, is, is it, I mean, it, it sounds really cliche, but the designer knows best how to use the product. Amen? How to manifest greatness even in the product. What if? I know we spend a lot of our time as Christians trying to not do stuff um, that we think is offensive to our Christian identity or, or not pleasing to God. We spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to not do stuff. What if we actually spent more of our time and our energy as you think about your resolves for the next year? What if you actually spent more of your time and your energy and your thoughts thinking about how do I just live into my design? How do, how, rather than thinking about all the stuff I shouldn't do, and I got to stay away from. How about I actually just live into my design? How about I actually live into being a contributor, a balancer, a leader, a ruler that takes care, that cares, that, does, that rules with compassion and kind? How about I actually just live into being a cultivator? How about I live into this in my life, in my family, at my job, at my school, in my own being? How about I actually spend my time? Being what I'm designed to be, not avoiding a bunch of stuff. Amen? In Genesis 2, you can look, it, it, we, we read it real quick, but it says, God looked around and he saw that the streams were flowing and that they were watering the ground, which we've come to understand meant that in no time at all, there was going to be agriculture that needed to be addressed, that needed some tending. And he not only created man on the sixth day, but on the seventh day, he endowed him and he endowed mankind with the capacity and the burden to do something with what was going on around him. He didn't just create him with the capacity to do it, but also with the burden. Hey, stuff is happening around you, and I need you to get in position to take care of it. I need you to utilize all the things that I've downloaded into you because, because something is happening around you that you're going to need to rise to the occasion. I want us to move 
as a people, particularly as the people of God. I want to help us move from day six where we're just created to day seven where we're actually living and manifesting the nature of God in the world. In the earth. Listen, I work at a college. I work at Warner Pacific uh, University, and and that that idea, live in a way where you where you act where you actualize who you are in the world. That idea sounds um, it sounds I don't know the right word. It sounds timely for a bunch of twenty year olds because they have their whole life ahead, and they're like, oh yeah, I'm ready, let's go. <laughs> but you stand in front of a room of people who are not quite twenty. And you're like, ah, let the kids. No, 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 no. As long as that breath of God is in you, as long as that breath of God is in you, there is life, there is actualization, there is stuff for you to put your hands to, put your heart to, put your energy to, put your being to. You don't get a path. As long as you're taking in the breath, you don't get a pass. Amen? I, have, I had to, when I first had this, had this notion, revelation, whatever you want to call it, I was like, I'm not going to remember those seven things on a daily basis, God, which is kind of a cop-out, but I took it. <laughs> and so I feel like, I was like, give me, I want, I want some way to just remember this in, the, in a short form, a short form. And so here's, here's what I came up with, just three phrases that I hope summarize how, how you can think about, about this. The three phases, phrases are this, highest capacity, best quality, and greatest outcome. Highest capacity, best quality, and greatest outcome. Out of everything that I put my hands to, God I want it to be at my highest capacity, the best quality, and the greatest outcome. My highest, my best, and my greatest. Now, before you start listing off the reasons like I do of why I can't always be at my highest, my best, and my greatest, let me, let me add a pronoun. Your highest. Your best. Amen? And your greatest. Your highest quality, your highest capacity, your best quality, and your greatest outcome. God doesn't require out of you what he requires out of everybody else. He requires out of you what is in you. So your handicaps, your deficiencies, your limitations, or whatever you consider them, they don't matter to God because God already knows them. And so he's only holding you accountable for your highest, your best, and your greatest. Amen? When I, when I first, I'm a singer. And if you, I have six albums. I think maybe seven. I don't know. Um, it depends. One kind of underground, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to my first three albums, what you're going to hear is a, is a girl desperately trying to be an, an incredible soprano singer and failing miserably. But trying real hard. It wasn't until my third and a half, fourth album that I realized I'm an alto. I'm just a solid alto, tenor on a cold morning. 
so here's the thing. God wasn't expecting, I shouldn't have been even expecting the greatness of a soprano out of this. My best is a good alto. My best is a good, amen. Amen. Gladys Knight is an alto. That's right. No, not today. But God is expecting my highest, my best, my greatest. There's this guy in Scripture, Noah. We go to chapter 6 of Noah. I won't take the time to read it. But in chapter 6 of Noah, in verse 9, there's, there's this phrase or this passage that says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. We often look to Noah as being so righteous that God would use him to do this incredible work like the ark. And we look at it and we read that passage and we see Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. The thing that's interesting about this this verse, verse 9, is if you read the other verses before it, verses 1 through 8, it talks about how wretched and decrepit the people of his time were. It ain't really that hard to be the most righteous. Amen? It's almost like saying everybody's ugly, but you're the least ugliest. I know everybody's beautiful in the sight of God. I know. But it says Noah was this blameless, righteous man of his time. So this notion, this, this, so, so here's this idea again. Like, I don't want you to compare your highest, your best, and your greatest to anybody else. We're just talking about you. Amen? We're just talking about you. And here's the thing that I find so re- interesting, refreshing, but also challenging about, about um about Noah and how he is personified. After the whole 40 days and 40 nights were over in chapter 9, here's what happens to Noah between Noah and God. God repeats. After all the destruction, after the whole start over, God repeats to Noah the exact same thing he said to the first created being. Be fruitful. Multiply. God's like, I'm not changing my mind on this. I don't care if I have to start over 10 more times. I'm not changing my mind on this download. I'm not, you you can't delete this app. I'm not changing my mind. I still have an expectation for you to be fruitful and multiply, to increase, to be contributors, to to, to be people who manage well, to be people who balance yourself and the earth. I still have that expectation I heard, I can hear, I should say, you know, those of us who would say, well, why I got to do everything God's way? I'm a fully actualized person. I I got this. Why I got to do everything God's way? I think the first answer is because you're not God and you didn't create or design yourself. And then here's a second reason. This goes, this goes to the New Testament. This is my, my, my favorite, my favorite, I don't, favorite doesn't seem like the right word, but my most compelling scripture in the New Testament for myself is Romans 12, uh, 1 or 2, where it says, be ye uh, transformed. Be, not, don't be conformed, but be ye transformed. But, but the other passage in the New Testament that, that just, 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 I don't know, fuels my life is this. In Matthew, or uh, actually John, The first thing that Jesus, 
identified son of God, the Emmanuel, the God with us. The first thing that Jesus says to those that would come to follow him, John 138, the first thing Jesus says is what do you want? He looks around. The scripture says Jesus turned around and he saw a bunch of people who would, who would begin to follow him. He looks around at them and the first thing he says to them, the first question he asked them is what do you want? Not, here's a bunch of rules about following me. Here's a bunch of policies. Here's a bunch of doctrine and dogma. Here's a bunch of procedures. Here's how you get, the, here's how you fit in. Not a bunch of that. The first thing that Emmanuel says to us, that Jesus says to us, the first question he asks is, what do you want? I love that. I love that. Now, he might have had an attitude when he said it. I don't know. I don't think Jesus is always as nice and calm as everybody likes to say. I think he, I mean, he might have went, he might have went like, what you want? He might have done that. But it's still the first question is, what? Do you want? When you think about following me, my first question to you, what do you want? What do you want? And the disciples, those who would become his disciples, their response was, where do you live? Which is to say, how, how, how do they do it where you're from? What we want is to know, how do they do it your way? How do we do this thing called life? The way you do it or the way that people like you do it where you're from. And Jesus' response to them is, Come, right? He said, come. Come see. Don't stay over there and try to, try to sneak a peek. Don't stay over there. Don't guess. Don't, don't try to figure it out from a distance away from me. Jesus says, come and see. Come and see. This thing called life, the things that you want to do in your life, the, the, the freedom, the peace, the joy, the, the excelling, the success that you want to have, I want you to have that. But you got to come see. Take a step towards me and come see how we're going to do this. Don't do it from over there. Come and see. And I love that. How God has called us to follow him, to be, to be who he's created us to be, but to do it in a way in which we're following him to do it. This year, as we enter in, I should say, to this year, I wonder what it would be like if, if, you, if, if whatever you resolve to do, you would resolve to do it knowing that you are already designed in a way um, that meets the goal, that you're already designed in a way that allows you to meet the goal. Sometimes we get going and then halfway through we're like, oh, I just can't. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. There are things that the world is waiting on. There are things that your family is waiting on. There are things that you are waiting on for yourself. There are things that this church is waiting on for you to step into. And I wonder if you can receive the challenge to just govern yourself accordingly. I don't want to put on you a stress or an anxiety. God is outside of space and time. 
So there's no time on when you have to get something done. It's not about that. It's really just about a mindset change today. It's really just about a mindset change today. So, so if you need me to say it in a subtle invitation, here it is. What if your approach to this year, what if you approach this year knowing and going with the assurance that you are wired already to live life at your highest, your best, and your greatest measure. You are destined for it. You are naturally and spiritually composed by the great one to be great likewise. Amen? And I wonder if you would accept the challenge this year to just govern yourself accordingly. Let's pray. God, thank you so much again for this time, this space that you call us to. God, release in us today the will, the want, and the courage to just be who you've created us to be, not to even make up or turn up or conjure up something new, something new and something special and something fancy. Not, it's not necessary. What you've designed is good enough. So give us the will and the want and the courage and even the freedom to just be who you've already called us to be. This is our prayer. God, I pray for those who are sitting here even right now who are struggling and saying, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. God, I just pray that you would take their heart, grab their heart, hold it, hug it, and let them know to try again. Try again in a way um, that is undergirded, that is supported by, by their design already. Love them. Let them feel your love and know your love, God. It's not, about, it's not about just producing necessarily, but being who you've designed us all to be. It's in your name, in your matchless name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Michelle.